Today's episode of The Wretched Hive is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash hive. That's H-I-V-E. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to The Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Happy birthday! That's right. Star Wars turned 40 years old this week. And we are so glad that you are here to celebrate with us the Wretched Hive podcast for Friday, May 26th, 2017, episode 37. 37? In a row? 37. (laughs) We are thrilled that you're here. You found us. And uh, we are fired up and ready to celebrate another 40 years of Star Wars. And um, my name is Steve Baldwin. Let me introduce my co-host to you. Joining us tonight, my Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks, Steve, for having me. And if I can leave you with one thing tonight, it would be this. It would be, just call me Angel of the Morning Angel just touch my cheek before you leave me baby wow wow i'm tearing up a little bit the world needs more juice newton guys more juice newton and it's just from the smell i was just i have no idea what that means i was just warned to be careful not to suck any dick by the end of the podcast but if gray's (laughs) gonna keep putting song lyrics like that i can't make any promises Also joining us, lifelong Star Wars fan, Scott Ivansky. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Welcome to a special edition of the Wretched Hive podcast, podcast number 37. It's the Clerks special edition, Man Goes Into Cage. If it's a very... Salsa. Sharks in the salsa. Our shark. (laughs) Salsa shark. So, uh, if it's a very special episode, do we all have to stop drinking tonight? Oh, hell no. Oh, oh thank no. God. No, no, thank no. God. No. <laughs> thank God. I think episode one might have been the sober episode. Uh, and <laughs> since then, it's, I think, 36 episodes uh, moving forward. I think we've um, done a terrible job at staying sober. Well, anytime setting fans with the drinking is that a, is that still an issue? I'd, I'd like to have a discussion. Well, any anytime it's the very special episode that it was always the clue that there was like you mm. know somebody was going to have a, a serious discussion about hard drugs and alcohol, or or underage sex, teenage <laughs> pregnancy. Yes, this is going to be a great episode. I think we've covered all those topics in the last thirty-seven <laughs> episodes. And finally. We have. Not the fifth member. Dave! Not the captain. Under no circumstances 
Especially not on the Millennial Falcon. Should you... Ever. 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 And I mean... Super. Ever! Bring it. Call him... Dirty. Harry. Nico. Potter. Rodriguez. (laughs) Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everybody. Thank you for tuning us in. We are not 5x5 tonight. We're only 4x4. The captain of the Millennial Falcon is MIA. And... uh, I think I think there are two noteworthy uh, geek things, not necessarily Star Wars related, that we should at least acknowledge tonight. Excellent, bring it. Just if nothing else, to prove to people that you know this is live or live to tape or whatever the hell we call this now. But uh, the first one, and, and both of these are kind of sad things, but I, I, I think we need to, mm. to acknowledge them. But the first is uh, the Justice League movie. Zack Snyder is out and. And Joss Whedon is going to finish up the reshoots and the final editing process before the film drops in November. And the unfortunate reason for that is uh, Mr. Snyder's oldest daughter actually committed suicide back in March. Mm. And he's kept it very quiet. And his plan was to just try and work through everything. But he and his current wife, and his current wife is one of the producers, uh, realized that that was just a horrible, horrible idea in terms of their own personal health and sanity and their remaining family's health and sanity. So they <clears throat> have stepped back and turned it over to Mr. Buffy, Mr. Avengers, who is now Mr. DC, Joss Whedon. And that's uh, that's worth acknowledging. You know, I'm glad you brought this up, Dave, because uh, I, it may have been on the very last episode, actually, that I, 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 I was throwing some shade at Zack Snyder because he's made a couple of really bad movies. Um, he has. But... I will go. I will argue in defense of the movie Three Hundred. I will argue in defense of the Watchmen movie as very decent decent adaptations of comics to screen. Uh, if you if you talk about uh, seminal comic works and their adaptations to screen, I think those are those are those are two examples of movies done well. And I'm not going to say they're the best ones, but I'm going to say they're movies done well. And while his recent string of hits, uh, or recent string of efforts have been lacking, shall we say, um, I feel terrible. This is a, just a heartbreaking story of what's going on with his family. And, and good for him for realizing that family comes first and, you know, all these billion-dollar tentpole movies be damned. He's going to go take care of his movies. And good for Joss Whedon to... to to cross the the party lines and go over there and say, "Hey, you know what? You're my pal. You're my buddy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go pick up this movie for you." And you know, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be able to save it from whatever it might have been, but I I I I, I wish him all all the luck, and I will be in line when the Justice League movie comes out uh, later this year. Totally agree, hundred yeah. percent. I will just add positive energy, prayers. And love from the Wretched Hive podcast to Zack Snyder and his family. Yeah, I, I, I want to throw that in too. Um, I, I've ripped on him pretty bad, thrown shade, whatever you want to call at the at the, at the Snyder Zack Snyder man. Whew, I swear I'm not even drinking tonight. Oh, that's a lie. I am. <laughs> um, but I just I want to say you know him stepping up and doing that is it's really impressive to see somebody do that and it's sad to see what he's going through in his family and much love and props to his him and his family and hopefully they get through it 
and yeah, I, I I'm gonna go check out the Justice League movie myself. I I think it's gonna be a fun movie somehow, some way. Hopefully, Joss can do some magic there, and hopefully, Zach did a pretty good job where he's at. So I like that we're all completely writing off this movie as being shitty six months before its release too. <laughs> Um, that's an easy one. I'm sorry. This is not throwing shade towards Zach. This is just DC right here. All right, Dave, yeah. you had you had another one, Dave. I, I did. Also, yep. also a sad note. Uh, a little, uh, at least a tangential uh, root in the Star Wars universe here a little bit, though. But that is uh, the passing this past week of uh, Sir Roger Moore, uh, James Bond number three. And the first gentleman that I saw play James Bond. And there is a tangential uh, relationship there just because uh, I believe every James Bond movie has been filmed at the legendary Pinewood Studios. And I know that Roger Moore maintained an office there up until the time of his death, even though he really only attended it, uh, in his own words, to do some light dusting and hoovering the last several years. But I know I know we're all huge James Bond fans, so I just I, we needed to take a couple minutes just to acknowledge that. That is true. Yes, and absolutely, and I I will throw in also that Roger Moore was my Bond. He was the one that I grew up with. Uh, Moonraker to this day is the cheesiest Bond film in my opinion, <laughs> but my favorite. I love Moonraker. Um, his family actually put out a, a really nice press release. I'm just going to read a little bit of it. Actor, UNICEF ambassador, and author Sir Roger Moore. It's with a heavy heart that we must announce our loving father, Sir Roger Moore, has passed away today in Switzerland after a short but brave battle with cancer. The love which he was surrounded in his final days was so great, it cannot be quantified in words alone. So clearly a very loved man and uh, surrounded by love at the end and, and good for him. Good for him. Loved him in all the Bond movies. He did seven Bond movies over 13 years. Um, in, in addition to a lot of the other British TV that he did, certainly an accomplished actor and by all accounts, a great man. So rest in peace, Sir Roger Moore. And I would like to tack on one more here since this is a very special episode of the Wretched Hive podcast being number 37 and the clerks version of our podcast. Uh, actress Lisa Spoonhour died at 44 uh, she was the actress who played Dante's girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend, Caitlin Bree. Uh, there's a wonderful write-up by Kevin Smith online. You can find it at all of his social media sites. Um, just had one of probably the most uh, wonderful moments in the entire film of Clerks. Um, check it out if you haven't had a chance. It's a wonderful independent film, black and white, shot on an unbelievably low shoe- shoestring budget. Uh, not kid friendly. Not kid friendly. Uh, definitely not kid friendly. No. <laughs> Just want to want to be clear about that. <laughs> yes. But what a great movie! What a great movie, Clerks is. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, well, Jesus Christ! Is there anybody else who died that we can talk about? Fuck. Geez. Well, we didn't talk about Chris Cornell. I mean, we could talk about that too. Oh my god! It's it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks, man. It has. It's like 2016, all in two weeks here. So just just real quick note on Chris Cornell. Of course, uh, I think we're all huge music fans on this show as well. I know a lot of our fans are also. And uh, I had the um, – actually, Dave and I both had had the uh, great opportunity uh, this last week to see U2 at the Rose Bowl. And uh, U2 was great. They're always great. You know, It's been a tough time politically for us, and I was kind of looking forward to that Rose Bowl show 
to sort of, you know, bring me out of the funk. And uh, one of the great things about the show was in the warm-up where they're just playing sort of like DJ-style music over the PA, they, they played Black Hole Sun right before U2 went on. And the whole crowd was, was, was singing along with Black Hole Sun in, in tribute to Chris Cornell. And that was, that was a great little moment. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it was. And U2 gave him a, a shout-out during the, the set and dedicated one of the songs to him. That's right. That's right. Well, if you would like to talk about any celebrities that have passed away that you're sad about, we will be your therapist. Give us a call at 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wretched hive podcast. So guys, we got to get, we got to, we got to, the show must go on. Unfortunately, we, we, we're going to plug, we're going to, we're going to continue forward. And it's so unfortunate that, uh, that so many have passed away in the last couple of weeks, but I think the, the only thing they would want us to do would be to carry on and continue with our passion. And carry on my is, wayward son. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Roger Moore doesn't know who any of us is and could give a fuck. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Excellent point. He did get out get to make out with Grace Jones, though, so, you know. You know, that was a great movie. I loved A View to a Kill. No, no, no. Loved it. It's, we were just... it's, it's a really bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I don't... And I know that that that's the hallmark of the Roger Moore movies. They're they're the cheesy, over the top mm. ones. I mean, you can't make a movie like that anymore. But man, I was a kid, and that was my first exposure to James Bond and Secret Agent Man. I just I loved it. Uh, it I get that, but that does not make it a good movie. Yes, it, it seemed to it seemed to be on TV a lot. It was always on TV. Um, but, just, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, sorry. My my favorite Bond film with Roger Moore of course is Moonraker but also close second Spy Who Loved Me well I'm going to jump in here I have to say I'm in the boat I'm in the boat with Dave and I'm in the boat with Greg on this Uh, View to a Kill was my first Bond movie and and then I realized what awesome movies there were other than that Um, it's not good (laughs) I'm sorry Dave holy crap I can never say this ever again, but Christopher Walken, oh. Oh, come on. This, no. No, you're not it, buying it? I, I love Walken in that movie. No. No. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I I was telling Scott before we got on the call here, I actually have in the background, I'm typically watching a movie in the background as we're, as we're recording the show, and in the background tonight I have on For Your Eyes Only. Ooh. <laughs> And there is such a disco soundtrack to this movie. It is, it. I'm like, what the hell is up with these people? And Roger, Roger Moore is so so too old for this role. <laughs> and he still went on to make, I think, three more movies after this too. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, uh, at the end he was looking pretty grandfatherly. Yes, and he's making out with all these super young chicks, and it's like it's just it's so creepy, so creepy. <laughs> Well, jumping back on this, Dave, I'm still with you on this. It's one of those first films that will stay in my heart forever. But looking back now and rewatching that film, it's a really bad movie. But it has one of the greatest openings of a Bond film of all time. Seriously. Uh, well, uh, it, it but, also has, hands down, to go along with that great opening, the best theme song of any of the James Bond movies. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I'm with Sorry, you. Didn't mean, didn't mean to interrupt. I just want to say that that's a one-two killer punch. Oh, yeah. that, that is. I'll agree with you on that. But it's just it's so cheesy and over the top and campy and the whole snowboarding scene going down the mountain and and uh, flying across the lake on this really makeshift snowboard thing. It's hilarious and it's campy, but it's great. It's so much fun. But the rest of the movie is complete shit. <laughs> <laughs> But that's also how he, you know, that was a choice he made. He was, it was an intentional choice to play Bond as campy as possible because he just yes. wasn't the man's man that, that Connery was. And so he had to sort of play it that way. And I, you know, hell, I mean, it worked for 14 years, 13 years, seven movies. I still enjoy the hell out of them, no matter how bad they are. But you know, what's funny you mentioned that the man's man that you say Sean Connery was Steve. Mm-hmm. But if you look back, there is what, what, is is it Golden Eye? I'm sorry, Goldfinger, where he's wearing the baby blue romper. Oh, Seriously, yeah. awesome. that is one of the most disturbing sequences I've ever seen in a Bond film. Wait, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. That also ha- includes the famous scene where he just like slaps the girl in the butt to send her away. It's his man talk. Man talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the terry cloth one piece with the zipper all the way down to the crotch. That's <laughs> that. That's a good look. It's a it's a onesie. It's a man's onesie. That's oh, and, and hey, speaking of speaking of rompers, they're making a comeback. They've been all over the internet this week with the rompers, man. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. You know, maybe we need to. You know, we're talking about t-shirts. We'll get to a little bit later, but uh, maybe we need some uh, Wretched Hive podcast rompers. I am Ooh. so down for that. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's uh... do it. <laughs> I think Dave will model them actually. I know somebody, might be to that that was a cricket, actually. <laughs> so, some, I could swear somebody meowed right in the middle of there. Oh my God. So, hey, there's got to be some Star Wars to talk about, right? Steve? Yeah, I think I think there's some Star Wars. Are we still a Star Wars podcast? I don't know. We've digressed a little bit, but that's that's this. You know, that's what you get with the Wretched Hive. You get Star Wars and other stuff, and we're bringing you lots of other stuff tonight. But let's get back to the wars, guys. Um, mm-hmm. We, I've got a, something exciting. We've got a little bit of a change up tonight. Um, guys, we actually have our first interview ever. What? On, yep. On the Wretched Hive podcast. We uh, are professionals. Yep. Scott Scott, <laughs> and I um, had an opportunity to uh, interview a lovely young lady named Jackie Michelle. And uh, she is a pinup model among other things. Uh, Scott worked with her. Well, you know what? I'm just going to... We, we talk about the connection and, and how we Scott came to know uh, Jackie in the interview. So uh, we're going to go ahead and play this. Um, this is uh, our interview last night, actually, with Jackie Michelle. Enjoy. Scott, the Wretched Hive Podcast, and we are talking to our, this is actually our first guest we've ever had on the show. First time. This is amazing. There's a first time we for have a guest. You never forget your first time. <laughs> we have Jackie Michelle joining us. Yay. Jackie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yay. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. 
it's, it's it's great to meet you online virtually here we're skyping so we can see each other and we're not in the same room well scott and i are in the same room we are take your hand off my leg yeah oh sorry man thank you um i thought that was the table and the reason we're we're interviewing jackie well there's a couple of reasons number one is scott you met her through your photography work yes uh jackie and i met in august of 2016 um, Jackie was the first person I got to do a photo shoot with uh, at Tiki Oasis, a big event that happens down in San Diego, California. Oh, we might need to talk a little bit about Tiki Oasis, too, I oh, think, Jackie. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, and uh, I just had a really good time. Uh, Jackie was an amazing person to work with, uh, great personality, so much fun. And uh, we ended up, uh, because of that, we ended up uh, trying to get together a few times and do some photo shoots. And we ended up doing a, a car show a few months ago. Uh, and I think we're looking at possibly doing a couple more things together. Definitely. So, yeah. Wow. So, uh, so, so, Jackie, how is Scott to work with? Oh, no. Just, you can, it's just, just you and me. There's no one else. It's just two friends <laughs> chatting. Is that why you're pushing me off to the side? What's going on here? <laughs> is he weird? Does he get like... Oh, you know, weird on you or anything, or is it is it cool? No. Oh my God, Scott is totally amazing to work with. He made me feel uh, super comfortable, uh, especially the first time we met. Um, it was my first time at Tiki Oasis working with somebody at a photo shoot, and uh, he was extremely professional. And I'm so grateful he came into my life. Wow, oh, that was very sweet. Did you pay her Thank for you. that? That's yeah, really nice. Uh, I'll get the hundred bucks. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So Jackie, tell us about your modeling. What you so so I know nothing about you know the pinup modeling or that culture. Tell us about your modeling. How long have you been doing it, and how did you get started? So I've been modeling for about two years. Um, I got started with uh, the amazing photography group, uh, Diverse Photography. Uh, which were gentlemen that I worked with at Best Buy, and I was fortunate enough to work with them uh, the first time that I decided to start going into like the boudoir and pinup style. Um, I was very, very lucky that they were so patient with me because I'm a little bit goofy and I couldn't stop laughing. Um, but they were they were very, very sweet, and uh, we got some amazing photos from that. And from there, I eventually worked with Beto Soto who is also an amazing photographer, and we took uh, amazing boudoir sh uh, photos as well. And then the next person I worked with was uh, coincidentally Scott, and I was very, very lucky that he was willing to work with me at Tiki Oasis, which was um, my first pageant as far as the pinup pageants go. And uh, then we did the photo shoot, um, and this was more like a, a swimsuit style. And he made me look damn good. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I did not do that at all. Uh, this it, let, let me back this up a bit. Um, the Tiki Oasis pageant—you were actually part of the Miss Tiki Oasis pageant. That was your first time doing that, right? Correct. That was my first pageant, uh, my first time on stage, and uh, my first time going through the whole pinup style pageant process. Um, it was quite an experience, and I feel like it was a spoiled version of the way pageants work <laughs> it was the best one that i've been in so far wow pinup i didn't know there was a pageant yes yes <laughs> wow so um a pinup pageant so talk can you talk a little bit about that how was that walking out on stage for the first time um so it was actually 
what exactly you would expect from pageant. Like the first round was a swimsuit portion, uh, which. <laughs> so wait. So the first time you walk out on stage in a pageant is in a is in a swim. I imagine it's a. I think I've seen those pictures. Is it a two piece with like a leopard print? <laughs> um, you would think that, but it... I was a little bit classier with the okay. one piece. <laughs> okay, there were some photos I saw with. Right. right. The, uh, the the swimsuit portion you're talking about is actually not on stage. It's it well it is on stage. You're in front of everybody. They w- you walk around the pool area and then come back and do a little posing. Is is that correct? Correct. And okay. in that okay. style uh I was in the the one piece like tropical style swimsuit. Right. And then on stage I was in a more vintage style uh dress and then when I worked with you for the photo shoot I was in the the tiger style two piece. Yeah, the vintage. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's what you showed me right before we came online. Yes. Okay, are, got it. And the car show pics. Yeah. Cool. Oh, those car show pics are great. So, was the car? Are the car shows? Uh, that's separate from Tiki Oasis, right? That's like another event that you guys uh, did together. And can, talk about the car shows a little bit. Correct. So, um, my second pageant was the car show uh, with pinups with heart, and uh, they gave me the opportunity to go through another pageant. And I was one of, I believe, 12 contestants. And that's when Scott and I got to work together again, uh, posing with cars, which is something I had never done. Uh, but he was very patient with me, and I was very grateful to work with him once again. That was your first time with the cars? Yes. Are you, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly no expert in this, and I'm new to, to you know, the pinup sort of culture and everything. But you are a natural. I mean, I can't believe that's your first photo shoot. Yeah, as far as uh, posing with cars, I was I felt nervous, but Scott was very patient with me, and he was also able to help me pose and whatnot uh, with the cars, and I'm very grateful for that. That was definitely my first time posing with cars. It was wow. a lot of fun, and, and there was a, a little bit of a time issue, too, because I was running a little bit late that day, but uh, we did. I think we had a really good time, and, and Jackie was wonderful. Uh, we, we just walked around and picked out certain cars. I think I was trying to go for color matching just to make sure things kind of set off with your outfit that you were wearing which was uh very um i'm always lost at words here but uh classic and just gorgeous it was was a beautiful outfit um but had a wonderful time again there there it is yes so we're looking at a photo you can't see it jackie but you're leaning on a a a classic uh, looks like a 1920s era car you've got this beautiful floral print dress on you look lovely in this shot I mean, you're, you you're so a much. real pro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no, truly. Um, so being new to the whole, the pinup sort of subculture, can you talk a little bit about that? What, what draws you to the, the sort of the pinup culture in particular? So what drew me to the style in the first place is, uh, by standards, I am not an average sized woman. Uh, my measurements are 36, 28, 40. Okay, so, wait, that's that's too much information, Jackie. I did not ask you for your measure. I just want this on the record. When my wife listens to this show, I, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> it totally has something to do with but that. But I'm writing it down just so, so um, I don't re- forget. Okay. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> the pinup style embraces curvier women, which I'm totally grateful for because it makes me feel confident in the skin that I'm in, which I... I never felt prior to this style. 
Oh man, that is awesome. That is so cool. I yeah. love that. And what guy doesn't like curvy women? Come on. Yeah, there's something wrong with something wrong with yeah, you if you don't. Yeah, exactly. Broken. And Jackie, you've also mentioned, and we've talked a few times, that you've also drawn some inspiration. Um, and, and sorry if I'm stepping on toes here, but you've mentioned Elvira in the past is also Definitely. one of your inspirations. Um, okay. My three top idols are Cassandra Peterson, aka Elvira, um, Dita Von Tees. And then uh, Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. Oh, oh nice. well, talk about a bridge. I think she's a natural podcaster, too. Actually. I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Carrie, Carrie Fisher is certainly one of our favorites. Um, of course, we're, you know, this is a Star Wars podcast. We're huge Star Wars fans. I grew up idolizing Mark Hamill and, and uh, Harrison Ford. And, of course, Carrie Fisher as, as uh, Princess Leia. Um I grew up, I actually asked my parents to call me Luke Skywalker for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I became him. And so um, I, Scott shared with me that you were a fan and, and looking at your photos and, you know, finding out that you're a Star Wars fan. I'm like, we need to interview this person. That's fantastic. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about your Star Wars fandom? Um, how long have you been a Star Wars fan? So um, the Star Wars fandom began when I was about... I want to say seven. Um, my dad introduced me to the movies, and uh, for Halloween that year, I dressed as Princess Leia, and I was wearing the classic white outfit that you see in A New Hope, uh, and I had a white lightsaber, which was Star Wars, uh, like, licensed, um, but everybody was, like, making fun of me, and they were like, Princess Leia didn't have a lightsaber when I was at school. And I was like, that's okay, because my dad said I can be my own Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right, your dad gets major bonus points for that. That's awesome. Yes. yes. That's cool. Um, and then as I grew up, there were daddy-daughter dances while I was a Girl Scout. And every year, I would give my dad a new Boba Fett toy, because Boba Fett was his personal favorite, where Anakin was mine. Yeah. Um, Love it. <laughs> that's awesome. So now... I know it's impolite to ask a woman her age, so I'll say, did you grow up with the prequels, episodes <laughs> one, two, and three, or or are you an original trilogy? Actually, girl? I saw the original trilogy when they re-released them okay. in, in theaters, so Got it. I'm about 30 years old. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Yeah, for the record, we didn't officially ask. Yeah, officially. We I, we're not going to get in trouble for that either. That's She offered that information. 36 to... 26, 41, oh, yeah. and I was, 30. I was talking age. What are you talking? Uh, I'm stuck on the measurement still. Sorry. Um, oh, so, man. well, that's awesome. So I love daddy-daughter date night. So I do the same thing. I have three kids. My oldest daughter is 16. She's a, she's a sort of a Star Wars. She's a Star Wars fan, but also she likes a lot of pop culture stuff. Um, and we used to do the, this, the we called it Sarah Daddy Date Night, but. That's you know, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. very cool. So is it mainly Star Wars for you? Are you into other sort of like franchises or pop culture stuff as well? As far as pop culture goes, I mean, I love Twin Peaks. I love Supernatural. Oh. Um, I love uh, True Blood. As far as horror goes, I'm, I'm a sincere follower of it. And then as far as sci-fi goes, I love Aliens. I love Star Wars. Nice. Um yeah, so my cat's literally named Lieutenant Ripley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. 
Oh my god, my cat's named Buffy and Xander. <laughs> I, I have a cat named Buffy as well. All oh, right. Wait, is it the same cat? Oh my god. You've never seen those two cats together. That's right. Maybe she's just moonlighting. She's just heading down to San Diego. Well, my com- my computer's name is Ash, so I'm also a pretty huge alien fan. Have you seen the new Aliens movie? I have not yet, but um, oh. we will soon. <laughs> we, you might have to come on and give us your review because it's, it's, it's pretty good. What about Twin Peaks? Did you watch the Twin Peaks episode last week? Yes. With pie and damn fine coffee. Uh, <laughs> what did you did you like it? Was it good? I you? did. Yeah. Uh, as as always, David Lynch was weird and stayed true to what he is known for. Nice, excellent. I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait. I can't wait. I love the original. Yeah, the first four episodes are actually posted currently for Showtime. Oh, I gotta catch up. <laughs> so I noticed you have a few tattoos. You have some ink. Do you have any Star Wars ink? I do. I actually turned 22, and I was like, I'm going to get my first tattoos. And uh, true to my upbringing, my first tattoos had to be Star Wars. So I have the Rebel Alliance on my right, and then uh, the Galactic Empire on my left. And that's because I was told when you get married, your ring goes on your left hand because it's the only artery that goes from your hand to your heart. So I keep the Empire closer to my heart. Oh, you're an empire girl. Oh, she's right. kind of, she's got some evil. There's some evilness in that sweet voice. <laughs> that's a dark. That's a dark side girl right there. Yes, I love it. Now, do you associate with one character, one Star Wars character in particular? You said uh, Boba Fett. Yes. Um, Boba Fett was what I was raised on because that's my father's favorite character. But my personal favorite character is uh, Anakin slash Vader. Okay. All right. So you're a Vader girl. So what what draws you to Anakin slash Vader? So I uh, have personally dabbled with being drawn to the dark side and not being sure if I will be able to find myself in the light. So um, the moment when Vader finds himself conflicted with saving Luke, I can definitely relate to. So that's why he's my favorite character. Absolutely a great, great moment in the entire saga. I have to yeah. agree wholeheartedly. The fact that he's uh, still Anakin in there when he was uh, described as more machine than anything else and, and only Vader, the fact that Anakin was still in there is very uh, something that I can relate to. Wow. That's really cool. That is cool. I like that a lot. You know, Jackie, you just got a lot deeper than any of us here on The Hive have ever gotten in the last 37 episodes, so we really do appreciate that. That is a strong possibility. <laughs> no, that that's really great. And that's what, to me, that's what makes Vader such a compelling character because, you know, he appears to be evil the entire trilogy, uh pretty much in but Luke never loses faith in the original tril- in the original trilogy yeah, yeah and actually is able to redeem his father yeah um you know at the at the very end that's that's really cool yeah so um actually I want to talk about alien a little more can we talk about that it's on my mind because we just saw that we j- I just saw the movie oh yeah definitely that's but, literally uh, one of my favorite franchises all right so so why do you like alien what, what is it about the franchise that, that, that you like? Um, so you're going to think I'm super weird after this story. <laughs> if that's um, not possible. If you can relate to a xenomorph, <laughs> we might have to have a deeper discussion about this. 
Um, when I was younger in Girl Scouts, again, um, I went camping and I went missing for three hours, but I have no recollection of it. Uh, to me, I was only counting to a hundred playing uh, hide and go seek with the girls that were there at the camping trip with me. Um, and so my mother always told me, maybe you were abducted by aliens. And so my father had a huge obsession with aliens. Like he had so many books in our house while I was growing up and I would constantly read them. Um, so after this particular incident, I, I became even more fascinated yet terrified by aliens. And uh, that's when I fell very into H.R. Geiger movies, uh, the style of xenomorph. And it became something huge in my life. And when I received my cat, Ripley, um, I was actually watching Aliens, and that's why I named her Lieutenant Ripley, because I wanted her to be a strong female uh, as a, an opposition to the aliens, which made me feel stronger personally to something that terrifies me, but I also find fascinating. Wow, I, I got a hundred questions just from that conversation right there, that, <laughs> that, that moment. Um, okay, I'm going to just go on a, a whole rant and roll right here, but... That is completely fascinating to me, and would love to like find out some more information. But also, did that also? Are you a fan of the X Files as well? I mean, that that was a huge Correct. thing for yeah. me in the '90s, and it, it really opened up and it had had a lot of questions and stuff. Even if it seemed fantastic or even a little bit out there, I don't know. That just seemed like a big connection to me. That you yeah, have. I believe that Mulder states in one of the first episodes that. A girl went missing on a camping trip um, from her family, and that's where my mother started making the correlation that, well, maybe I was abducted by aliens because that was a huge show to my parents. And then I do actually have, in fact, uh, X Files tattoo. It's a bumblebee with an X on its backside. Oh, because stop it! This is getting too much. That's awesome. <laughs> it's huge for me. Like that's one of my top three favorite shows of all time. Uh, geek girls are awesome. The best. <laughs> I just figured out the reason that we're not the number one downloaded podcast. We don't have enough geek girls on the show. No, no. <laughs> it's fantastic. We, we might have a recurring uh, podcast guest here with Jackie. I, I, I think so. <laughs> so, Jackie, you, there's there's been a I, I'm picking up a little bit of a theme with you, and if you don't mind me running with this a little bit, and that is about you know your your um, strong sense of your. Um, of, of being a strong woman, of being confident, um, I'm I'm feeling a little bit like um, you you project like this strong role model sort of um, way that you approach things. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? What what is it about uh, Jackie that is driven to be this sort of strong, confident person? Um. I have to admit that, like I said prior, the person that I've become now is definitely related to the person that uh, was welcomed to the pinup style, which in helped me become more confident in the person that I am, um, as well as my role models, people like Elvira, Sandra Peterson. Um, she was so confident in being a darker, curvy female, which made me feel confident in being a darker, curvy female, as well as Carrie Fisher, who was a uh, confident, nerdy female, made me feel confident in being 
a confident nerdy female. And then uh, Dita Von Teese was more of the, the, the pinup burlesque style uh, who also helped me as well. Um, finding these role models only helped me develop the person that I was, which I guess this person was always inside of me and I just never knew it. And these people only helped enhance the person that I am. That's fantastic. You know, I was just thinking while you were talking about giving those examples of these strong women, there's a, there, Star Wars is sort of experiencing this resurgence of, um, well, of the franchise, but, but there are a lot of strong women in Star Wars. You've got, um, you've got Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. You've got, of course, Princess Leia. You've got Rey now. Um, Captain Phasma, you've got Rose, this new character that we don't know very much about in Episode Eight. Um, Jin Erso and, and Rogue. Jin Erso, of Rogue. course, yeah. yeah. So, um, how do you feel about that? I mean, do you? I, I personally, I love that my daughter is a Star Wars fan because there's examples of these strong female characters for her. And in in general, I think it's been a criticism of Hollywood that there haven't been too many roles for for women that, that can sort of portray this strong hero um, sort of character. So do you have any thoughts on that? What do you think is behind this resurgence that we're seeing with these strong female characters? I'm actually uh, incredibly grateful for the resurgence because um, I posted on, on Facebook after Force Awakens that, like I said, I was dressed as Princess Leia with a lightsaber, but people thought I was ridiculous to want to be a Jedi because... Leia was never actually portrayed as a Jedi, even though she had the capability to become one. Even Vader states that she has the capability to become one if Luke doesn't follow her path. But nobody ever actually recognizes that. Um, so the fact that we have Rey makes me so happy because girls can actually feel comfortable with loving Star Wars. Not that there was something wrong with loving it prior, but they have a character to relate to now. Yeah, yeah that's, that's excellent. That is awesome. Yeah. Have you seen the, um, there's a fashion uh, line of, of clothes and jewelry and stuff that's Star Wars related that's um, for, for girls. What's it called? Um, Her Universe. Her Universe. Have you, yes. seen, have you seen Her yes. Universe? Yes. Uh, they actually uh, had that, the woman that designed it, she's actually one of the voice actors in the Clone Wars. Ashley anime. Eckstein, right? Yes. Yeah. And, uh, oh my gosh, her dresses are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> she, if I could own them all, I would. <laughs> <laughs> she, you should model for them. You really that should. Would be, I, feel, I would totally be willing to do that. That would be amazing. She's so cute. Like, her personality as a person. Uh, she's just a beautiful person, I can tell. Um, and her designs are amazing. Like, uh, I love her her BB dress. <laughs> yeah, my wife bought I think one of her purses and maybe a shirt. Um, bought my daughter something from their from their line. Really good stuff. And I I was at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim two years ago. Just really quick story. And you know, just walking around the floor of this convention, um, I saw from afar Ashley Eckstein walking along. I'm like, oh my god! So I make a beeline. I'm going to go try to meet Ashley Eckstein, and. <laughs> And she stopped far long before I could get there. Um, and because there was like a, like an eight or nine year old girl and she got down on one knee and I'm, I'm, I kid you not. She spent 10 minutes talking to this little girl in the middle of the floor, um, oh just giving her attention just for no reason, just went out of her way to just give this little girl attention. And 
she she just seems like a super cool person. Yeah. Yeah, I follow her on Instagram, and she she just seems like a, a genuinely sweet person. Yeah, yeah, I've heard her in some interviews. She's great. She's great. So Scott has mentioned that you might be willing to um, to model a T-shirt for us. That I can do. I'm Definitely. so excited. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, settle down, Steve. Man, I'm getting a little excited. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, so we're going to roll out our shirt. We're sort of in the design phase, but if you would be willing to to uh, to model this for us, it would it would be our honor to have you be our official Wretched Hive podcast t-shirt model. That would be so awesome, and I'm so grateful that you guys are even considering me. Oh, yeah. That's no. so great. Um, I was... We were in the design process, and I know we're going to go back and forth on a few things, but um, if we can try, I'm going to try and get it set up and ready to go because Jackie is going to be doing a, a car show coming up here in Huntington Beach. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. I, did, I want to make sure I'm getting the right one down here. And um, trying to work out a possible hour or two little chunk of time there where if the shirt is ready, we could probably do a little bit of a shoot and maybe a few other ideas that we were coming up with online definitely that would be great that would be great do you have any other modeling gigs coming up that we can that you know you you'd like to share with our our uh, listeners um so it's just the car show in huntington beach and then after that hopefully tiki oasis uh i am going to submit my application and then it'll be an online voting process from there nice nice and when is uh when is the car show in huntington beach and do you know what it's called by chance we can probably link it to our yeah, uh, page yeah, definitely. Uh, I know it is June 3rd and then I think the name of it is the classic car show but let me double check we can we can no no worries we can uh, we'll find that and, and post links on our page and we can also uh, when the Tiki Oasis uh, Miss Tiki Oasis pageant comes up we can put a couple links or something up uh, mm-hmm. to encourage voting and get out there and vote for Jack. Yeah. The car show is the Latin Gents car show. Okay. <laughs> okay, Latin Gents car show. That's the car club that's sponsoring it, right? Is that is that Correct. Right? And that is uh, uh, June 3rd. Excellent. June 3rd in Huntington Beach and then Tiki Oasis is in August. Is it that is, right? but Correct. Jackie, when when do you know when the the voting process starts? The voting process start uh, starts in the first week of June and then it ends uh, the last week of June and then in July they announce the people that have been chosen. Okay, excellent. We'll put some uh, some links and some uh, promotion up for that. Thank well. you. Yeah. Nice. And then, Jackie, is there a way that our, our listeners can, can either view your photos online or, or you know connect with you online? Uh, definitely. On Instagram, I am the pinup fool. <laughs> the pinup fool. <laughs> Ghoul, it's G-H-O-U-L. The Pin Up Ghoul, okay. And then on Facebook, I'm uh, Necrobabe. Nice. All right, and we'll also, is it okay if we link those to our page as well? Definitely. Cool. Well, great. Well, Jackie, it was such a a pleasure to meet you. You're you're a a wonderful young lady and uh, uh, beautiful as well. Um, (laughs) Lots of talent obvious looking at these photos you're just an absolute uh a natural in front of the camera and um you're it re- was really really nice to talk to you too really really appreciate you coming on the show thank you for having me i really appreciate it yeah.
Thanks again, Jackie, and it's always fun working with you, and I can't wait to work hopefully on uh, June 3rd with you. Definitely. All right, Jackie, thanks a lot. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Peanut model, Jackie Michelle. She, I'm telling you guys, she, she is the real deal. She's the real deal. She is a geek girl, Star Wars fan, pinup model. She's got it all going on. I like hearing what she has to say, like, to, you know, promoting the, the positivity for females out there. There's, it's, it's about time that we get people that are, they're feeling good about themselves. And it doesn't matter that you're a boy or a girl, what you're doing in life, just uh, be happy with who you are and what you're doing. Um, yeah, good on her. She's good. She's good. She's a good gal. Like her. Yeah, yeah. I re- I like the fact that she pulled out some of the the dark side stuff that she was talking about, and then went right into the Carrie Fisher uh, uh, role model aspect of it. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Scott's going fi- to Tiki Oasis this year. I'm going to Tiki Oasis this year with Scott. Yep. Um, so maybe we'll get a chance to hook up with her and we can, uh, throw out some, some, we'll, we'll get a t-shirt gun. If we have the t-shirt ready and we'll blast <laughs> t-shirt gun, we'll, we'll blast t-shirts from the t-shirt gun off of the balcony. If they're at the crown plaza is what we'll do. We'll have to crash somebody's balcony, but I think we'll find one. Maybe we'll shoot them from over the freeway at the hotel. Or Dude, Craig, seriously, you've got me so jazzed over this t-shirt gun idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be awesome, man. We just start knocking people out with our shirts. <laughs> the wretched hive is so damn dangerous. It'll knock your ass out. <laughs> It's she really was wonderful. Awesome. Um, you were there. It was last year, right, Greg? <clears throat> yes, I was there last year um, when you 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 did the you did the shoot, but you ran off to do the shoot with shoot with her. I and I was drunk in a corner um, in the fetal position somewhere. Yeah, I really tried to pretend like I wasn't drunk, but it was a damn good time. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of rum. No, yeah, that's that's where I ended up meeting her, and uh, it was really kind of a cool situation. I know we brought it up on the thing, but I, I, on the interview, but I just wanted to say it was kind of in the style of the old uh, Betty Page photo safari thing, where a whole bunch of photographers get together and a whole bunch of pinup models get together, and there's one kind of organizer, and it just like it's a free for all, just. You two, you go off, do a shoot, come back in 20 minutes. You two, you come back, you do this. And it was just a, a really cool setup. And again, like I, I'm going to reemphasize this, uh, a wonderful lady to work with, uh, very professional, um, super, super nice and friendly and fun. And it's always good to be a fellow geek. And yes, uh, she mentioned her tattoo. She's got two uh, Rebel and Imperial logos on her wrists and um, some other stuff she mentioned about the X-Files, uh, the B and all that stuff. Uh, wonderful, nice lady. I just got to say, I'm very impressed. I was really worried that uh, Scott and Steve, that doing this interview, you were going to look like a couple of boobs, and and you did good. <laughs> oh, thanks, uh, you're, Dave. You're too kind, Dave. I'm going to go with we were a couple of boobs compared to the professional responses <laughs> <laughs> of Jackie yeah. Michelle. No doubt about it. Well, thanks for that. And I'll just say. She tolerated you guys very well. She really yes, did. She did. She did. I'll say any any woman, uh, well, anyone, but in particular, any woman that knows who H.R. Geiger is, I'm a fan of that woman. Yeah, it's that was pretty sweet. That was impressive. I didn't realize you were such an alien fan there, Steve. Oh, I- I did not know that about you. Huge, huge. At least alien for purposes fan. of that conversation, he was a huge alien fan. <laughs> oh yeah, I was. <laughs> That's about uh, outer space stuff, creatures, right? 
From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Well, guys, it is the 40th birthday, the 40th anniversary of the release of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, which, of course, when it was released, it was just plain old Star Wars. But the movie was uh, released in theaters on May 25th, 1977. That's 40 years ago yesterday is the release of this uh, episode of the podcast. And uh, boy, there's a lot of celebrating going online. CNET.com has a great spread. Uh, They're celebrating 40 years of Star Wars all month long. Uh, Just read a little bit here. The movie opened in theaters May 25th, 1977, created an instant sensation with its groundbreaking special effects, rousing adventure, inspiring heroes, and chilling villains. It It made household names of George Lucas, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, and Harrison Ford, not to mention the Lord, the... uh, uh, not to mention Darth Vader. Don't mention it. Don't Good Lord. mention it. I, I couldn't mention it. Uh, my favorite character, C-3PO, R2-D2, and the countless aliens and adventures of the Star Wars universe 40 years ago. I'm, I'm, I think we're pretty much aware. I'm pushing 50. I know we're all about in our mid-40s. And uh, boy, this this movie has been around as long as we've been around. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff on StarWars.com, just a ton of, of great uh, content that Star Wars is producing in celebration of the 40th anniversary. Star Wars at 40, celebrate the 40th anniversary of Star Wars uh, with StarWars.com's exclusive interviews, blogs, behind-the-scene videos, and more. There's a special episode of the Star Wars show. Uh, lots of great stuff, but just today or yesterday... As we record the show, Vanity Fair devoted an art an entire issue to Star Wars, uh, and actually talking a lot about Star Wars Episode Eight, which is coming up this December. If you've been under a rock for the latest uh, for the last year or so, um, but uh, just a great great issue of Vanity Fair. I need to go pick it up. Uh, incredible images of the movie that's that are that's coming up this December, and some great interviews. And Scott, I know you got a chance to to take a look at this article. Uh, what were you most impressed with? I mean, I, to me, some of these photos are just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I'm going to touch on the photos uh, for the most part. There is some interesting information, <clears throat> possible new locations, uh, characters, and such. But, oh, my God, some of these images, um, there's so many to talk about. I'm going to touch on a couple personal favorites real quick. Uh, there is a shot of Ray and Luke at uh, the location at the end of um, <clears throat> The Force Awakens and obviously a big part of The Last Jedi. Uh, I think it's absolutely a fantastic shot. It's got this kind of somber feeling. The, the sky is gray in the background. You see what looks to be like Luke's. Uh, place that he either lives or maybe uh, worships or studies in or something to that effect. Uh, Another uh, wonderful shot uh, is a a shot of all the villains in the movie. Uh, I think Greg and I had had a little discussion about that. Uh, Kylo Ren, General Hux, and Captain Phasma. Uh, Fingers crossed, hoping there's a lot more Captain Phasma in this uh, film. (laughs) I was 
obviously from if you, if you listen to the podcast, I am I was not a big fan of the Captain Phasma character from the first movie. Uh, really felt like I was cheaped out of that that character. So I'm hoping there's some more there. But the hands down greatest shot that I see in here is a picture of Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher as the Luke and Leia a brother sister uh, shot. I, I it it really just chokes up some serious emotion here. Um, sad because we know that we lost our princess uh, not that long ago, and uh, just seeing the two of them together is is a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, picture. But um, there's also a, a kind of a behind the scenes black and white shot to go in, along with that, uh, which kind of alludes to the fact that we might see some Luke and Leia on screen time together, and I think that would be a, a fantastic thing to see. Hope, hoping, fingers crossed. Yeah. So we were we were doing some prognostication um, offline earlier today, and does this photo? And I agree. This photo is just packed with emotion, um, particularly, of course, in the in the uh, aftermath of um, Carrie Fisher's passing. But does does this photo say to you, Greg? Uh, we're going to see them on screen together in Episode Eight. Uh, I, I I don't think there can be any doubt of that. I think that that they're on set, they're in costume, and sure, it's possible that they did that for the photo. But um, no, I, I think we'll I think we'll see some screen time. I think the fact that we didn't get any screen time with Luke and the original cast in Force Wiggins, well, for the story wise, I get it. Um, you know, obviously, it was something that was a big miss for the rest of the fans that were out there and I don't think they're going to delay that any further than necessary. We'll, we'll, we'll get it in episode eight. I'll, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm testicle betting that one. <laughs> <laughs> one, one bit of reporting that came out through, through all of this that I, that really caught my eye was that, uh, Carrie Fisher, apparently when the, she wrapped her shooting for episode eight, she grabbed either, uh, Rian Johnson or, uh, or Kathleen Kennedy and made the comment, well, episode nine is going to be mine, right? And the the person comments, uh, explains that, you know, episode seven was more of a, a Han Solo kind of vehicle. Episode eight is definitely a Luke Skywalker vehicle. And the plan was for episode nine to be much more Leia centric. And obviously they've had to go back and revisit and rework that plan. Yeah, I've got the quote here. This is actually Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, talking about Carrie Fisher, she, she um, the article says, again, this is uh, at VanityFair.com, Fisher completed her part in Episode 8 late last summer when principal photography on the film wrapped. Quote, she was having a blast, said Kennedy. The minute she finished, she grabbed me and said, I better be at the forefront of 9, because Harrison was front and center on 7, and Mark is front and center on 8. She thought 9 would be her movie, and it would have been. So that sort of begs the question, it would have been, what is it going to be now and how are they going to handle this? Talk about a, talk about a boy, that, that, that's a, that's the million dollar question for me right now. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a bigger cliffhanger than any of the actual story points that are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, it begs the question of, of really looking into the future and wondering you know, what would have and what could have happened with that episode now. Now that that quote is out there, that really makes me wonder how much of Leia's story was still going to be told. Yeah. 
The article goes on to say, I'll just finish this this part of it up. Uh, Kennedy Trevorrow, uh, that's Colin Trevorrow, director of episode nine, and the Lucasfilm team have been compelled to swing from grieving to pragmatic mode, working out how to reconceive the next film in the saga, which is scheduled to start shooting in January. So they don't have a lot of time to figure it out, and they must be in pre-production now. So, um, boy, those are that's that's a big decision there. Yeah, huge, huge, huge. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off of that, and yep. and it's a wonderful little segue here. But back onto the article itself, um, we do get to see quite a few new characters. Um, a very nice large group shot, which I'll discuss in just a second. But I do like the fact that they bring up uh, who is it here? Benicio del Toro's character and um, Laura Dern. Laura Dern's character. Uh, I've heard it described as kind of a uh, uh, Hunger Games kind of meets a Blade Runner look to it, and I think it's fantastic because it's colorful yet kind of odd and gloomy at the same time. Um, I got have an Oh, go ahead. Well, I just got a sad. Sorry, Scott. Laura Dern and that costume look fabulous. Look fantastic on, yeah. in this photo shoot. Yeah. And they've given names to the characters as well, and, and they may be red herrings, but the one name that Laura Dern is not is Mara Jade. <laughs> Thank God. <Yeah. laughs> right? So her character's name, and I, I, I mean, I, you know, this is in a major publication straight from, straight from Lucasfilm. This is not hearsay. Her, her character's name is, let's see, it says uh, she plays a prominent officer in the Resistance named Vice Admiral Haldo. That's Laura Dern's character. And then... Um, and that's not anybody from the Expanded Universe, right? Expanded Universe readers? That's nobody we've heard of before? Uh, Does, doesn't ring a bell here. Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell over here. But I like the fact that it uses Vice Admiral. Mm. Kind of gives it almost possibly an Imperial feel to it. Mm. Yeah, there so is maybe a little some... bit of that, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, Benicio Del Toro's character is unnamed, uh, but the crew called them DJ. And uh, Ryan Johnson says, you'll see there's a reason we call him DJ. It's nice. Darth something, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Darth Jr.? Darth Jackass? <laughs> Or he's spinning vinyl down in the Moss Eisley Cantina. Darth Jesus. <laughs> Darth Jesus. That's my vote. Uh, I do like the fact that there is a group shot of uh, quite a few new characters, and they talk about this. I think it's uh, Ryan Johnson who talks about the fact that they're adding this different element to a Star Wars universe. I actually feel it's a little more prequel, and I don't mind this. I like the fact that they're bringing it to this kind of, uh, according to Ryan Johnson, uh, let's see, he uses the terms, um, it's, a, it's a planet or an area that it's, it's called Canto Bight, and it's a Star Wars Monte Carlo type environment, a little James Bondish, a little to catch a thief. And I love that. And then later on, he goes on to describe it as, let's create a playground basically for rich assholes. And I think that's <laughs> fantastic to throw the glamorous side of what we already know as a lived-in universe, we've heard that term multiple times, into the mix. It really throws it for a kind of a loop. Even though we've seen most of that in the prequels with the 
really shiny brand new ships and the brand new locations and all that, I think adding that into an already lived in universe makes it a little more intriguing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very fascinated to see what he does with it. You know, um, you talk, I just, you bring me back just, you talk about the shiny look of the prequels, you know, if there's one thing we can give to the prequels and you talk about all the hate is the, the production design was just top notch on, on that whole series. Fantastic. Yes. No doubt. Massive props to Doug chain. Yeah. Way to go, Doug. Yep. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, he's our biggest fan, right? Of course he is. I thought James Cameron was our biggest fan. Oh, he hates us. Well, actually, I think it's Glenn Fry's son, and we have a story about him later. That little rat bastard. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, this was a great piece. Highly recommend going on uh, either buying the the magazine itself, which I will probably do as a collectible, but uh, the whole thing is available on VanityFair.com. There's videos, uh, photography, Photos, just just great stuff. Really, really, really well done. So one other one other note, real quick from that article. Yep. There's a reference from Ryan Johnson. Uh, Luke's not alone on the planet. Luke's not living in solitude. There's a caretaker yes. race. Not Ewoks. Not Ewoks. Very specifically. Right. I wonder. I'm I'm curious to find out if they are going to be like uh, the Rogue One characters of Chirrut, Mway, and. Um, Oh my goodness! Why am Baze. I Bays. Yes. Bays Malbus. Um, shoot! I had something I was going to throw in there. Ah. All right. I'll jump right. in later. We'll come back to it. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, we did have quite a bit of other news, guys. Um, let me get to my notes here. So, um, there has been some Ewan McGregor speculation this week, and Saw uh, we. That? Yep, we've covered this on the show in the past. Uh, of course, we've we've determined that I am correct that Obi Wan is related to Ray. I know you all Fake agree news. with me on that. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> and so, what better time to bring back the Obi Wan Kenobi character to the big screen? Lots of speculation about uh, Ewan McGregor returning as Obi Wan. And uh, this is on a movieplot.com. It's well known amongst Mar- the Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom that Marvel Studios basically stocked Benedict Cumberpatch, Cumberbatch, Cabbage Patch, for a long period of time, hoping to entice him out of the of his difficult schedule to join the ranks as Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Stephen Strange, beating out the likes of Joaquin Phoenix and Jared Leto for the role. Cumberbatch made his debut last year in Doctor Strange and is set for a cameo in this year's Thor. Uh, Thor Ragnarok as um, as part of the roster for the Avengers. But while he's a solid choice for the role, Cumberbatch wasn't the only one in his hat, uh, the only one his hat with his hat in the ring for the part. Scottish actor Ewan McGregor made his name in Hollywood as the young Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars prequel films and had his name solidified in cult cinema history as Renton and Train Spotting. By the way, Train Spotting, what a great movie. Um, but McGregor was also eyed for the role of Doctor Strange when Marvel threw out their casting net, though obviously he was ultimately passed in the end. But why? This is where the plot thickens. 
Back in 2015, McGregor told MTV that he was initially very interested in taking on the role of Dr. Stephen Strange. Um, but he says that it goes on to say that Marvel wanted Ewan for the role, but they were told they couldn't cast him because Disney needed him for Star Wars. So that was a long buildup, but basically the, the, the bottom line of the story is Disney vetoed Ewan McGregor as playing Dr. Strange um, because they knew that Obi-Wan was coming back. What do you think? Is this, does this have any uh, credence or is this movieplot.com fluff clickbait? It's interesting. Mm, yeah, I uh, uh, nobody nobody wants an, an Obi Wan movie with Ewan McGregor more than me. I want the trilogy. I want the entire trilogy. That's what I want. Yeah. Um. And and if they can make it happen, I think they will. Because I think I think that you can bank on that movie. Uh, I think that was you know you, I the Rogue One. While it was Star Wars and everybody thought it would be okay, you know, it would do just fine. Um, it 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 was kind of an unknown. It was kind of a wild card. It was kind of you know, it was like Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, nobody really knows any of these people. What's you know, is this really something that's going to connect with uh, with audiences? Um, and I think the Obi Wan is automatically you know it will connect with audiences. So it's just a matter of assembling the right team. So if they assemble the right team, they'll make the movie. Um, whether they are actually stopping him, if they were going to stop him from making a movie that was released last year, they would have announced it was coming out already. Hmm. Possible. I, I, I'm curious to get Dave's thought on this. Dave, Dave, Dave what do you well, think? What do you think about this this possibility? I know, I know. You're, first, you're, you're go ahead, run with it. First, I think that article is totally overlooking the contribution that Moulin Rouge made to Ewan McGregor's star status in Hollywood. <laughs> I First, will defend that movie as being a good movie till the day I die. So, better than A View to a Kill? Until the end of time. That was, sorry, that was, that was the song from the movie. I, I, yep. I, I think that... Doesn't that he article, sing a bunch of Elton John tunes in that movie? He sings a bunch of songs. The movie, that movie's made, it's 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 a mashup of a bunch of pop popular songs all kind of mashed together in different styles. So, okay. But yeah, Elton John is one of them. Okay. It, it was it was Glee before there was Glee. Yeah. Got it. Sure. That's, so, it sucks. But let's jump on another thing. Let's talk you about, suck, Scott. Hold on. Hold on. Let, let, Dave, let Dave finish his thought here. Dave, finish up. It's Shallow Grave, people. It's Shallow <laughs> Grave that got you and started. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead, right, Dave. That's that's valid. That's valid, but not as funny as Moulin Rouge. But uh, <laughs> and that's why I didn't go with it. But I think that article is honestly wistful thinking. I mean, it, there's there's no real credible source for it, and I kind of agree with Greg. If they knew it was coming, they would have announced it by now. They've been very, I think, transparent that they have no idea what they're doing after 2020. And I think that has as much to do with the fact that they get the rights back to Empire and Return of the Jedi in 2020. They don't – they're kind of waiting for that moment to, to start to have some plans to announce. Are they going to do new movies in 2020 or 2021? I think it's just wistful thinking. 
I want to encourage the wistful thinking. I want Disney to go in that direction, but I, I don't think for one second that Marvel was told don't cast somebody because we might make another movie with this person five years after yours comes out. Sorry to rain on your parades, Steve. Yeah, I mean they're making they're making the Infinity War movie now, so Doctor Strange is in that, and they're making it now, or they're yeah. or they're fil- or they're filming it shortly, something like that. It's no, being, it, it, it's being filmed this year. It's being filmed right now. It's being released next May. Uh, the yeah Infinity War. That's that's because they. Yeah, I'm I'm confused as the next two Avengers movies is because they were gonna do the Infinity War two part, and then it was Infinity War one part, and then and then there was something else for planned for three or four. I forget what it was, but yeah, well, this this the, it was announced as Avengers Infinity War part one in May of 2018 and part two in May of 2019, and then they said no, we're not calling it part two anymore. We're just it's an untitled Avengers movie. Okay, that's what. And it then is. Zoe Saldana referenced filming Infinity War this summer and filming uh, something called Gauntlet the following year. Okay. Got it. Hmm. So confusing. <laughs> it well, really is. All it, that leads to they would know if they were going to make a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm, no, you said, you said it before I did, and I'm in complete agreement. It makes no sense to cancel plans to put him in that franchise you know, because oh, we might do our own franchise. You know, a year and a half after those movies are are on DVD and Netflix. Well, doesn't anyone else find it kind of odd that they haven't made that announcement for a third? Uh, what what are they called now? The Star Wars story movies. Yeah, the, yeah, the standalone. Mm-hmm. The standalones. Um, originally, the rumor was a Boba Fett film, and I know we've talked about that multiple times. But then it was, you know, possibly the Obi Wan film. Isn't it kind of weird that that hasn't been announced at all? They, they've said they, they know what – I think they were going to do Boba Fett, and then they realized Josh Trank was just a horrible, horrible choice for that and wisely backed out and never put anything back on the schedule. And now they're just saying we're going we're gonna to finish out the episodic you know, eight and nine, and we're going to make some decisions probably in the next year or two on what we're going to do after that. Yeah, I, I I've heard it to the effect of that they have an idea, but they're just you know they're not. I talked about it before. They're putting the team together, so they're not quite there. I think they still really want to make the Boba Fett movie. I think that's the one they want to make next because, from what I've read with the whole Josh Trank debacle at the end, there is they were far along in pre-production. They had made some commitments and things, and so I think they want. I don't think they just want to write all that off. I think they want to try and make some some of that work. Probably not with Josh Trank, but I think they want to at least continue that where that was going to go before they announce what's going to happen with any type of Obi-Wan or whatever movie after that. Now, I I will say this, and I think I've said this before on the podcast. I I sometimes get confused if I've said it on the air or in an offline conversation with us. And this is to to make up for raining on your parade earlier, Steve, but I – there is a conspiracy theory I have that they actually know what those those next anthology movies are going to be, but they are unable to announce it because it would give some kind of a breadcrumb clue to events that have yet to be unveiled in episode eight and nine. Mm. And if your theory about Obi-Wan being uh, related to Ray or being Ray's parentage is true, maybe they know they're making an Obi-Wan movie, but they just don't want to say anything because it'll draw too much attention to that character at a time when they don't want to and ruin the big unveiling. 
damn it, Dave, why are you bringing logic to Steve's argument? This is not fair, man. You can't do that to me. I, I prefer to stay in the realm of the illogical, actually. I'm much more effective <laughs> there. Well, I do have a quote from uh, Mr. McGregor himself. This is uh, in Entertainment Weekly last month. Ewan McGregor's quoted here as saying, uh, there's no official offer and I haven't met with them about it or anything. I've always said that I'd be happy to do it if they wanted to do it. It would be a good segue between the last episode of the prequels and the new episodes. So if, if uh, Ewan McGregor himself is to be believed, there have been no talks about... Well, he didn't say there have been no talks. Just to be clear, that was a very specific quote. He I haven't met been, with them. Hmm. He said there's been no official offer. Why do you have to qualify it? You could just say there's been no offer. And he said, I haven't met with them. And a lot of this could be done without him meeting with anybody. Well, he does He does provide himself some coverage there. He says, there's no official offer and I haven't met with them about it or anything. So I think anything pretty much covers anything. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying that would be like the president saying, well, I never spoke to this person about anything. And really the president, you know, spoke to this aide over here and that aide went and, and talked to him. Are yeah, because that would never happen with our president. To Ewan McGregor? <laughs> no, I'm just saying this is this is how politicians do non-denial denials. Hmm. They answer the question that wasn't quite asked. Right. I so never I'm, had. I'm, try, I'm trying to help you out, Steve. I came down very right. hard on you at the beginning, and now I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> All right. All right. You're. I, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I'm with you. I. I appreciate it. You <clears throat> knock me off my pedestal, and you're trying to set me back up. That's fine. All right. All right. Star Wars choices: Obi Wan, Donald Trump. What are we going with, guys? <laughs> I, that's not even a choice. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you mean for the next term, or what? What are you talking about? In a lightsaber fight? What? What are we talking about here? Okay, here's the choice. You're you're gonna get your Obi Wan Kenobi movie. Okay, starring Donald Trump. <laughs> oh my god! So the choices are no Obi Wan or Donald or, Trump. Obi Wan. Donald Trump is Obi Wan. Oh my god! And you'll be beautiful and huge. <laughs> oh damn, that is tough. Oh man, that's uh, you guys are. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go, I guess I'm never going to see that Obi-Wan movie after all. That's too bad. That's, that's, that's a shame. That's a shame. All right, guys, we've got a couple of, a couple of final stories to cover here. Uh, first of all, this, this, this was interesting. This made a lot of different news outlets, the fastest growing baby name in America is officially Nico. No, I'm just kidding. The it's officially Kylo. Kylo is the fastest growing baby name in America. This is released according to data released by the Social Security Administration. Kylo was the fastest rising boy's name in America in 2016, just one year after Star Wars The Force Awakens became a hit at the box office. Now, I was hoping you clarified that, Steve, because at first you said baby name, and I'm like, is that androgynous? Seriously? Kylo? Oh, I oh. Well, yeah, this, is, uh, this actually says boy name in the article. It says boy name. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the top 1,000 boy names in the Social Security database, a leap of over 2,300 spots from the year prior. Happy to see my friend from work and her husband 
joining those ranks and naming their baby boy Kylo. Congratulations to them. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. Although he's he is like thirteen, maybe fourteen months old now. Yeah. Well, hopefully he's a little nicer when he's older than Kylo Ren is. He's a very angry young child. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's foreshadowing for something to come in the future. But boy, he is just cranky. Wow, <laughs> Ap- aptly named baby. <laughs> Do Last... not give that the lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> Last article of the day, guys. Uh, this this is not Star Wars related, but it is definitely Wretched Hive related. We could not let this pass by. The uh, the filter here. Glenn Fry's son Deacon to tour with the Eagles. He's replacing his dad on the Eagles tour. Uh, this is according to HuffingtonPost.com. The Eagles have officially found their replacement for the late Glenn Fry, and it's Fry's son Deacon. On Monday, the Eagles' Don Henley announced on Dallas Sports Radio station, uh, station KTCK that Deacon had signed on to play a number of shows with the band in July. Quote, there's going to be an official announcement in a few days, but let's just do it here, Henley said. Glenn's son, Deacon, is a very talented young man, and he seems to be up for the task. He's enthusiastic about it, and he's been working real hard on it, and he's going to do it with us. I think it's appropriate. So, just couldn't wait to talk to Greg about this story. Uh, Greg, uh, your your love of Glenn Fry has been well documented on this show, and uh, what do you think about um, his son? What's his son's name again? Deacon. Dickhead. <laughs> Join- <laughs> oh, man. Joining the Eagles tour. Uh, well, I, I, I'm going to speak for Dickhead right here, and I'm going to say that asshole genes don't ever, like, go away. So I am sure that the Eagles wanted to tour again. Um, Don Henley uh, loves money and just loves – to that, that bastard <laughs> loves, want, is not ready for this gravy train to pull into the station yet and i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure they wanted jackson brown to uh go on tour um with them uh jackson Great. brown played i'm not done yet scott don't interrupt me i need to interrupt you <laughs> i have to know wow greg himself does don hanley love money more than his own ponytail that's all i want to know <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely if, it is, if he can make his ponytail out of money, then then that's what he would do. God damn it. <laughs> um, so they go. Obviously, they can't. Uh, they can't do this without the uh, the 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 Fry family blessing. So they go to the Fry fl- Fry family, and Dickhead says to old Don Hanley. Dickhead says, um, "You know, I don't think I want you to go on tour playing my dad's stuff." And let's up, guys. How about it? And they're like, "Well, whatever. We like money." So. Wow. And see. Wow. Guys, I'd like to make a suggestion that we, uh, since we are a media organization, that we register for a media press pass and have Greg cover the, ne- the next Eagles concert <laughs> with Greg, Dickhead Fry. Greg, if we got you a press pass and got you backstage to interview the Eagles about Glenn Fry, would you do it? I would talk to Dickhead all day long. I would love nothing more than to talk to Dickhead. <laughs> Can you imagine Greg back there? Hey, hey, Dickhead. Hey, you ready for our interview? 
it's not my fault that is that he named his own son Dickhead. What am I supposed to do if he if, if he would have named his son Dickhead? I wouldn't have to call him Dickhead all the time. You know, yeah. I have somebody that listens to the show that has a close connection to the Fry family. <laughs> well, I think we have our next guest, our next interview. <laughs> I do. I want a personal interview with Greg and this person. I do. <laughs> oh man, this would be great. It's the Very Lonely Luke Tweet of the Week. Red 5 standing by. Because if there's something to whine about, you can count on Luke. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Even though he's now an old man. No! It just isn't fair. Dickhead, what do you got for us? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm so hard on his family. I just... We're gonna get you some said, hate mail from Eagles fans. It's it's not it's it's not the family's fault that Glenn Fry was a complete and total asshole. And that doesn't even make the Eagles music bad. It really doesn't. It just means that Glenn Fry was an asshole. He made good music, but he was still an asshole. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Scott's friend who who was friends with his asshole no. who made good music. But no, I Glenn think it's Fry hilarious. St- <laughs> did Glenn Fry steal your high school girlfriend or something? No, Why he is there so much hate? You know, because uh, <laughs> it, it, it all stems from watching the History of the Eagles documentary is what it was. As I, as I you know, I was I was a child in the 70s. My parents listened to Eagles music. You know, I could sing all the words to Hotel California if you re- really pressed me to it. And then I watched this documentary and he was such an asshole to to all the other people in the band, <laughs> except for Don Henley, who had as much money as he did. So he, apparently that earned him some modicum of respect or whatever it is. But he just treats everybody else in his band like like complete dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, tell us what you really feel. You know, so this I, is a Don. You really need to, to come up with like a life in the fast lane or, or the uh, what's the what's the take it easy or something like that one that's smugglers blues that's that's a glenn fry song all right well i work uh, on that why don't you get to the uh very I'm lonely luke be, tweet I'm, of the I'm week i'm be doing something here aren't i there you uh, are uh well i if you can't tell i'm stalling here because it's been a couple of slow weeks for very lonely luke i am sorry about that. but from may the 6th it says uh so so yeah we got ray on the island and uh, very lonely luke and i have a conversation blah 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 so but uh, very lonely luke says yoda Yoda made me give him piggyback rides. Ray, not going to happen. Luke, I would never dream of asking. Ray, cold stare. Me, unless you want Ray. No! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that just got way creepy. (laughs) Oh, dang. Sorry. (laughs) I was going... (laughs) The level... Of professionalism <laughs> on the show. We're I doing was, it live. I was trying to play Desperado, and it came up the Desperados. <laughs> Take us out, Desperados. Wow! Another week. Another thirty-seven episodes to go. You know, the production value on the show just keeps getting better and better. Better and better. Well, guys, if you, fans of the uh, Wretched Hyde podcast and listeners, would like to tell us about how you feel about Glenn Fry 
and your love of the Eagles, Greg would love to hear from you. Give us a call, 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. You can also find us uh, online at uh, thewretchedhive.net. We post all of our show links up on that page. And uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. Uh, it's very, very solid guarantee you're going to see some pictures of the lovely and talented Jackie Michelle up on Facebook this week. Can we make that happen, Scott? Yeah, I can make that happen. I also want to get some pictures of Greg and Glenn Fry together. Excellent. And honestly... Fuck it. At the end of the show, I'm going for the whole bottle, guys. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Diet Jameson's? That's I'm my hoping. Diet Jameson's. Right. Catch us on Twitter. Hey, we got a couple of other fans uh, tweeting at us. At uh, A couple of new fans, I should say, tweeting at at RetchHivePod this week. Looks nice to, nice to be connected with uh, fans through Twitter. Thank you for reaching out to us. And uh, maybe the best way to find the show is through iTunes. Open up your uh, your iTunes there. Um, bring up your uh, podcast page. Search for the Wretched Hive Podcast. We're the first one that pops up. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review. Five stars, one star, any stars. We don't care. We would just love to hear from you, the listeners of the Wretched Hive Podcast. Guys, episode, episode <laughs> easy for me to say, episode 37 is in the books. Guys, final thoughts. Hey, real quick, thanks to Jack and Michelle. That was a great interview. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And Steve, you need to dig up your uh, Take It Easy alternate lyrics that you wrote way back in episode like four or five or something like that. And I'll, I'll put that to uh, put that to tape. Release it. Make it's it done. It's done. We'll do it. All right, guys, have a great week. May the force be with us all. And try not to suck any dick on your way through the parking lot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs>